1: What's up you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, Managing Editor, FightfulMMA.com. Go there to get all of your MMA news. Go there to get all of your live coverage. We have hundreds, thousands even comments in every live coverage that we do. We do a pick em before the event. Starts about Wednesday, you can pick for the main card all the way up until that main card starts. We had UFC Fortaleza last weekend. We have UFC 234 this weekend. Australia, it's wild. I am joined right now by Showdown Joe Ferraro and James Lynch. Joe, how you
2: doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm just wondering what your thoughts were on uh, Albini's constant wardrobe malfunctions, but we'll get to that in a little bit. We certainly will. James Lynch
1: is also here. James has had just a ton of interviews, and when I say a ton, I mean,
3: my God, it's a lot. James, you've been a busy man this week. I have. Yeah, sorry I'm a little bit late. Uh, I actually had some other interviews, but uh, good to be here, guys. Good to, good to talk about the fights. Uh, you know, never a dull moment in this sport. Yeah, uh, the wrestling into things, of course, pretty
1: wild. We've got a ton of crossover there. It seems like everybody's talking about the crossover between wrestling and MMA and back and forth. I just did an interview with a Lucha Underground wrestler who talk about her possibly making the transition to MMA. It's a good time to be in the Fightful business. But let's talk about the MMA business. And the first topic that I want to bring up right off the bat, I want to talk about this Habib Nurmagomedov mess. (laughs) Habib Nurmagomedov gets his suspension handed down. Dana White says he's going to do the PSA and knock his suspension down to six months, whatever. We talked about him not fighting during Ramadan. We talked about him doing all this stuff. He wants to fight GSP. Now you've got Ali Abdelaziz, who I don't think does the positive in which he thinks that he does for some of these fights. James, we've got him keep, he's saying, Tony is next. Then he'll go on TV and say, or an interview and say, Tony
3: doesn't deserve this fight. What the hell's going on, James? Well, first off, I found it funny that Ali was saying 2019 is about the year of being humble, but he's basically disrespected Tony the entire uh, thing. Um, Yeah, this whole thing is a mess. Uh, I I think, you know, Habib wants to fight in November, it seems, because of the suspensions and Ramadan and everything else. So this was something I, I believe we touched on last week. Um, I, I don't know what you do here, because how are you going to sell Tony Ferguson on fighting for an interim title when he got his interim title taken away? Um, Habib, you know, it, it's clear that Habib's not coming back till November. He had all this stuff about how he won't fight in Nevada because he doesn't like Vegas because of the, you know, they, they promote gambling and drinking and, and whatever. He can say what he wants, but the reality is, is that, you know, he's, he's upset he got fined more than McGregor. I think that's what this boils down to. And now you have the situation where you're holding up a division. And realistically, when a, when a champion's been out more than a year, you usually do an interim title but in this case you have tony ferguson who had his interim title taken away so uh, they, they either got to throw some serious money at ferguson to, to make a fight with i would assume dustin poirier to happen or he's gonna have to wait but uh, it's just really disappointing the way this is all unfolded because the division once again is put on hold joe what do you think man i mean
1: like james mentioned division on hold i don't think that's good for lightweight
2: no, it's not. I mean, it seems this division here is just a been a constant battle for the better part of six, seven years. So uh, I echo James' sentiments. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, Ali's going to do what Ali's going to do. Let's let's not kid ourselves because he'll he knows what he's doing. He'll play the market. He'll play the media. He'll play the fighters. He'll play negotiations just the way he's always had. He's just got more pull right now. Uh, a bit more eyeballs on on the stuff that he says and ears and on, on, on the stuff that he says. Excuse me. Um, so he's going to keep doing that in terms of Habib. Um, you know, at some point, Habib has to recognize that, you know, he's the reason why this went down, not Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor said some stuff. Habib had some actions. There's a big difference there. Saying is one thing. And the whole Nevada State Athletic Commission uh, potentially finding people or, or Conor or whatever with how they promote fights. Oh, just let it go. But I, I, I see what they're trying to say there. But, um, yeah, Tony Ferguson right now is the one that's going to be suffering in this thing situation here because I don't think he should fight for an interim title. But he's got to fight. So it's up to him, really. What does he want to do? And and, and of course, I've always talked about the fact that you got to get your brand out there. You got to keep your brand on the eyeballs. You know, you got to be, you got to remain on the radar. So, does he risk taking another fight, especially with a guy like Dustin Poirier? Um, you know, and if I was him, I'd be calling out uh, Conor McGregor again. Uh, I know they're managed, James, they're, they're managed by the same party, correct?
3: Paradigm, yeah, you got yeah, it. Yeah.
2: So just figure that out if you can. Get a payday if possible. But uh, although I do want to see. Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor fight uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. But that, that's another story altogether. But bottom line is, when your champion is your champion, he's that fantastic. He's under suspension. Uh, has to, you know, He's going to go through Ramadan. He's not going to likely fight during that time. He's not competing until November, man. We're in February. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to happen between now and November.
1: Another new story that emerged. Amanda Nunes teasing retirement Joe. She's, I think, 31 years old. I don't think she really is. I think that right now she is really just hitting her 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 peak in popularity. And maybe, maybe after the home fight, even. Because if she knocks off Rousey, Cyborg, and Holm, my God, you want to talk about somebody they can they can I don't think you could build around Cyborg. Why? Because she hadn't really beaten anybody until she beat Holly Holm. Amanda Nunes has beaten somebody. She's beaten a lot of somebody's Joe think there's any chance she really retires this
2: early uh neither of us three have access to her bank accounts right now but i highly doubt she got paid the same kind of money that conor mcgregor got paid against apparently there does i mean he's always tweeting about how little money she makes so then that makes my point i mean unless she made uh the same money conor mcgregor made against floyd mayweather i think she should still be competing and start adding Uh, more to that bank account and whatever investments and hopefully that she has, she does have some investments. I can't see her retiring right now. Uh, I think it's posturing in my opinion. And I I do believe that uh, she's got some pretty good paydays. Uh, You know, her management should be trying to get on, on, you know, Conor McGregor cards and John Jones cards, right? That's what she needs to do. And then get on cards that are going to have big pay-per-view numbers or good pay-per-view numbers to continue to build her brand. I mean, I know they tried, uh, you know, taking her through the mass media, um, didn't work but they should still try and and figure out a way she needs to do with herself and her camp so remains to be seen but I, i think she's posturing
3: james what do you think well, I you know, you talked about her getting paid as much as McGregor. How about even Cyborg? I bet Cyborg got paid more than um than Amanda Nunes did in their fight. So um yeah, I, I don't know what to make of the talk. Um it is interesting that Holly Holm gets pulled off this fight with Aspen Ladd. I, and then Amanda Nunes has that, you know, smiley face tweet after her. it was something. It seems like that's the fight they're gonna try and make next, because that's really the next big fight that Amanda could do. And I think if she does want to cash in, that's probably the last big fight she can do outside of a rematch with Cyborg, which I've said this many times. If you get finished in the first round, they shouldn't do a rematch. So um, I think that, um, I, I think it's possible. I, I don't, I don't think we'll see her retire. I think she will fight Holly. Uh, just because when they throw those dollar signs out there, that makes sense. Cause I, I found it so odd last week that just casually Dana White's like, Oh yeah, Holly, Holly home Aspen lad. Yeah. They're not fighting. It's like, what? Like, that was a great fight. And like, all of a sudden it's pulled off. So that makes me think that they are working on Holly versus uh, Amanda. And maybe it just took them a couple months to figure that out. But um, but nonetheless, um, I, I think we will see Amanda Nunes fight again. I think it's just, it could just be, you know, her trying to, you know, get a bigger payday, so to speak, by hinting at retirement. We also had UFC
1: Lisa. I spoke about it at length on Saturday night. You all can find that podcast all over the place. James, I want your your impressions of this <laughs> This card, I thought it was a blast. I was told by someone within the UFC that afternoon, expect a brisker pace. It was brisk, and I loved it. It was a breeze to watch this show.
3: Yeah, it certainly was. Um, it, you know, the pacing, that that's always been a big issue with the UFC. And and this, the, not only was the pacing good, but this card ended up being great. Just so many finishes, so many good highlights that you could pinpoint. You had, you know, legends and, you know, Aldo and Maya getting wins. Like, it really had a little bit of everything. This card literally couldn't have gone better, um, you know, especially with how the main event capped off with Moraes getting another highlight reel finish there. Um, this card was great, but man, Johnny Walker, another uh, splashing uh, performance, uh, you know, definitely uh, had uh, Liddell on the rocks with that uh, elbow and, uh, you know, just a blue label performance from him. What can you say,
2: <laughs> Joe? You're up next. <laughs> I'm not going to bother, but I, I did notice your tweet when you were um, when you're looking for puns from James and I. Uh, I was actually not at home; I was with kids, and I'm like, I, I really shouldn't be tweeting anything right now. But um, yeah, I, I, I want to put a pun in there about Johnny Walker's illegal kick to Justin Liddell's head, but. Uh, I won't. Other than that, um, it wasn't I, I, illegal. It's an illegal technique. It never landed, but it's illegal. What What is illegal about it? He threw a kick to a down opponent's head. Well, it didn't hit his head, so it's not illegal. It is illegal. It didn't hit though.
3: Oh, we've opened up a can of worms here. You, nope. you,
1: you can throw that. You can throw that to the legs and the body, right? Correct. Can't throw it to the head. That's that's what it landed. That's where it landed. It didn't land on anything. It didn't touch anything. Well, but the it landed on its leg. The head. Yeah, it, the
2: referee does have the right to call time.
1: It grazed right. his leg, though so I mean yeah. like where so the referee does have time explain this to us because you're the one who's who's
2: certified in, in this yep. situation so the the most basic way to explain it is anytime a technique uh, is thrown in a manner that could jeopardize the fight the referee does have the opportunity to stop the fight and warn the fighter if there's um, if you connect you do have the right to disqualify the fighter take away a point but first you got to get the the other fighter assessed uh, but you can't be throwing illegal techniques. Uh, at all for example even a a 12 to 6 elbow which we all hate if you throw it and it doesn't land you can still stop the fight at that moment and warn that fighter right so there's there's tons of different things that you know and and we saw what happened there when um who was it against the somebody got finished before they were holding on to the cage uh was it i think it was tamor was it tamor somebody was holding on to the cage before they got finished and um the referee basically said you got it." Like, he's getting his face beat up, but he's trying to get his hands off the key. You can actually, you know, stop the fight at that point there, right? So there's the I mean the 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 actual rule itself is you cannot throw that technique. That's what it was all about.
1: So just because he throws it and it doesn't connect, where where does that land in that that spectrum? Because it didn't land anywhere. It's like can yep. you can you warn him? You can't disqualify
2: him for... Nope, because it didn't land. So you cannot disqualify him. Uh, the opportunity to warn him had already subsided uh, because the kick actually missed. So he missed with the kick. So at the, so when the kick is thrown, when a legal technique is thrown, the referee does have the, should have stopped that action. But he didn't, and the fight continued, and he got pummeled, or, or Johnny Walker pummeled a bit, uh, and, and basically finished him in 15 seconds. That point there, you can't, there's no appeal. Justin Ledette cannot have an appeal despite the fact that te- an illegal technique was thrown. The illegal technique did not land. So you will not be able to even get close to winning an appeal on that one there.
1: Interesting. So the prelims, I'm not going to pretend like these were earth shattering prelims or anything, <laughs> but these were very easy to get through. The way that they had budgeted this, the show started at 5 p.m.
3: Eastern. So, James, for you, that would have been like 2 p.m., right? Yeah, actually, I missed these live because I was actually doing interviews. I forgot that this card was on so early, so I was kicking myself when I was seeing updates. I was like, ah, so PVR that bad boy and watched it later. But uh, this was very, very
1: easy to get through. The way that UFC usually budgeted things, it was for one fight per 30 minutes. Now, this show started, the prelim show started at 5, ended at 8. And instead of six fights scheduled, they scheduled seven fights. Now, while that doesn't seem like, wow, that would make everything go much quicker, it did. It did uh much much better, and then the main card they do the same thing, then they budget one hour for the main event because it is scheduled for five rounds. We had six fights on this main card, so ideally two and a half hours for the five uh three round fights and then one hour for the the main or the the yeah the main event, so you would have been budgeted for three and a half hours there, no. Two and a half hours this show was done, Joe. This We talk so much and crap on the pace of of the shows. This is a major step in the right direction for the UFC.
2: Still not good enough for me. I know you guys are probably going to (laughs) disagree, but three hours maximum for a show. Done. Three hours. Hockey, baseball. uh, Well, maybe not baseball, but hockey. uh, NBA, so basketball. NFL. Man, three hours. Three hours. Done. In and out. Let's go. Enough with these prelim crap and guys that shouldn't even be part of the UFC or girls that shouldn't be part of the UFC have a three hour event. Call it a night.
1: James, I think that the fact that these shows are so long is one of the reasons that UFC can't run on like Wednesday or Thursday nights. Mm-hmm. You can't run like a six, seven hour show on a Wednesday or Thursday night. Cause UFC, you always hear, I hear people talking about all elite wrestling, this new wrestling company. And it's like TNT. If they came to a deal, what are they going to do? Put this company on, Tuesdays or Thursdays? No, NBA is on that night. So people will go out and watch things on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. People will tune into things. But the, the thing is, not when it's six hours long. If you have like a three hour window, then maybe. What, what are your thoughts on that?
3: Why do you think Contender Series is so successful? A big reason yeah. it's so successful, there's four fights. That's it. That that's easy to digest on a Tuesday night, and that's why it, people like it so much because it doesn't drag on. You know the pacing's good. Um, I, I'm with Joe. I, I really and you know we again people are probably sick of us saying this, but less cards, more quality, less matchups. You're going to keep that's fans. That's all happier.
2: I hear whenever I go out. It's all I hear from so many Canadian fans. That have yeah. lost interest in the UFC. They don't know who's who. It's too long. I don't know when the fights are on. Blah, 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 blah. I'm bored. I just want to watch the main event and the co main event if I'm lucky. That's what I hear. So. Mm-hmm.
3: And, and and you get, the thing is too, you get fighters lost in the shuffle. Like there were some good performances on the prelims that unfortunately were overshadowed because of Marlon Moraes or whatever. Like, imagine if they would have split the cards, they could have done like, you know, the prelims as a card in itself, like a, whatever, like just a fight night. Like, you know, they used to have strike force challengers back in the day. That was, people watch that. I mean, it's, you know, it's up and comers, it's prospects. I'd say, you know, there are a lot of good prospects on the undercard that, that had some good performances. You know, you could do a Tiago Alva's Max Griffin, you know, fight night card. That's like five fights. Sign me up. I'm down. You know? Yeah, I would I would love that. I think that would be great.
1: I think people might – you can run smaller venues. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. UFC Fortaleza, man, was this a good show. Marlon Marias in a fight that shouldn't have happened anyway because he beat Rafael Asuncao in their first fight. This guy should be riding like some sort of insane winning streak right now. But because of a couple of judges, he, he didn't get that opportunity. Now he's beaten Dodson, Sterling, Rivera, and Asuncao. Four in a row, Joe, and did it in very impressive fashion, especially his last three fights. He is a bantamweight finishing people. I don't give a shit what Henry Cejudo doing. I don't <laughs> care. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. I don't give a shit. Marlon Marias needs to be next for this title. What do you think of his performance? Do you agree with me?
2: Of course I agree with you. The other other real question that we have to ask is you gently brush your hair and look absolutely fantastic. You're not supposed to sell
1: that shit, Joe. I wait until I'm off camera so that people won't see me brush my hair. But
2: here we are. (laughs) I love it. I love it. No, but guys, honestly, you know, Magic Marlins' performance is one thing. Did any of you two – I'll I'll include myself in that. Did any of you think he was going to submit Hafial Sal?
1: Uh, yeah, no, I, th- I thought yeah. it was a possibility, but I mean, there. Uh, granted, he's never submitted anybody at that level before. used just submit people all the time back in the day. But
2: it but, the and, LS black belt, fantastic yeah, black belt, James.
3: Yeah, no, I I think that yeah, you the knockout was more likely just because that's what he's done more often. But I mean, he ba- did, that's what basically started this was the fact that he you know knocked him down and then and then he was able to just capitalize with the submission. So we almost got the knockout almost.
2: Yeah, so t- for me, I mean, that performance is we got two things in one. We got his fantastic striking and his speed because all he does, Sean, is he throws power. He paces himself correctly, and he just explodes and then breathes, explodes and then breathes, and then has those combinations and and basically almost got that knockout. And then with that, you go for the submission if you want to get it because when a guy is hurt or girl is hurt, especially after strikes, very good chance that they're trying to get – their brain is saying, I need to get out of this situation, and that often leads to a tap.
3: You know what James, the prop you, was? Sorry sorry to interrupt. But, you know what the prop was on Marias by submission? It was plus 1,700. Woo! I could have put five
1: on it. Yeah. Well, yeah. my I got right. five on it. It did very well. We'll talk about that momentarily. <laughs> but Cejudo, sure, give him the winner of this fight, Marias and Dillashaw. Give him a crack at the bantamweight title because, as we've heard, uh, Dustin Ortiz, according to Henry Cejudo, cut by the UFC. Um, Gosh, there was another name. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Cut by the UFC top 15 guy. And I'm thinking, all right, that's not what you do when you're hanging on to a division. That's not what you do. What do you do if you're the UFC? And, oh, by the way, Dana White still says no 165, even though there's likely isn't a 145 women's division, likely isn't a 125 flyweight division. What the hell's going on, James?
3: I I, I kind of have two schools of thought on this. Either it's the first one, which is what you suggested, which is they they are going to get rid of the division and they'll move Henry up and Henry fights you know uh, TJ at 135. Or the second one is they keep Henry as the champion. They just keep cutting these flyweights that aren't coming off wins and they basically just keep they, they keep the flyweight title just for title fights and then whoever's left that, that's still on a winning streak they just insert them into the title fight. So you know we got to I think what's the next one uh, the flyweight fight is it Figueroa fights. So so I mean you, you take. You know, one of those uh, winners. Well, I guess it would be Benavides. I guess would be the next uh, winner because he beat Ortiz. You get him to rematch Cejudo. You know, they fought already. Um, You do that, and you just keep the title. But you you keep getting rid of these flyweights until eventually they get rid of the division. But I think I think the I think the title I think the flyweight title is still okay because they haven't officially like got rid of that. So I think you may just see the title being defended. But they're they're just going to slowly decay away at the division, whittle away at the division. Oh my god, it's such a sad, weird situation.
1: As I look, there, there are still about 20 something flyweights, which is crazy to think. Like, I mean, there are people there that I had no idea were either still with the company, but okay, Matthias nikolau that was the the other one who uh, was listed, but Dustin Ortiz and he lost to Dustin Ortiz in his, his last fight, but Dustin Ortiz lost to Joseph Benavidez. If he got fired off a of three and one run in his last four, that's unbelievable, uh, Joe. This flyweight division, man. I'm sure that the the other companies and Bellator should probably start up a division very soon if they don't have one. That's where <laughs> Ryzen. Ryzen should uh, jump in that boat. But I mean, you have Horaguchi fighting at, at bantamweight now, so a lot of that's yeah. that's gone. What are your thoughts?
2: Uh, Bringing them all to Ryzen and Titan. <laughs> that's just my opinion. <laughs> Extremely biased, but. I don't think it's fair for these guys. I don't think it's fair. I mean, um, it, it's so tough for Cejudo that now that he's the champ. But uh, the reality is, we lost a, one of the pound for pound best fighters ever uh, to another organi- Sorry, I say we lost. They lost uh, a fighter who you know, in Demetrius Johnson, who went over to one. Um, so, what does that really mean for the division in the UFC? Again, we just keep talking about it, but it's terrible that this type of scenario is happening to these fighters. Because I get it. In my opinion, they're making a mistake by. De- Getting rid of this division the way they are, as opposed to cutting the fat from all the divisions. Forget about getting one getting rid of one full weight class. Don't do that. Get rid of the crap at the bottom. So if there's 25 fighters or 30 fighters that are at 125 pounds, don't get rid of them. Keep 15. Keep 15 of them, okay, or 12. But then the rest, get rid of all the other divisions and stop having all these guys and girls that are competing in the UFC that are never going to make it in the top 10 or 15. This is, again, it's like a broken record. It's the Super Bowl of mixed martial arts. It's not acted that. They, they don't treat it that way. They just have so many different tiers of fighters. James, it'd be like us watching you know, the, the Canucks and the Leafs, but you know, adding the farm teams in there as well. Mon- just, it's just no, it doesn't work that way. I don't like it. It's just silly. Shorty Torres is
1: fighting in Brave, Yeah, I think, next month. What do you make of that, James? I mean, this is a guy, Joe, who you've, you've worked with. You've, you've called his fights. But James, Shorty Torres, a guy that you've talked to several times, not heading back to Titan, not heading overseas yet, or not heading to Ryzen or One yet.
3: Yeah, I've heard this has been in works in, uh, for a while. He's done commentary for them. There, there is a relationship that dates back, uh, you know, quite a few years.
2: So that this wasn't back to our Bahrain days soon when we exactly. Yeah, that that out. was.
3: What, yeah, yeah, you got it. Um, yeah. So no, it it doesn't surprise me to see him get picked up. One thing I'm going to disagree with you though. There, I, I don't think Bellator is going to add in a flyweight division. Um, they they don't they seem pretty ho hum on on the lighter weight classes, like even 135 for them they're not putting a ton of effort into it. Like you do have, you know, they just have the, um, what was it? The Archuleta and Bandeas fight, but in general, they're not really promoting that division that well. I kind of, oh, you, you wait until a pit bull becomes
1: an amputee and they're going to start a flyweight division. Fool. I, I don't think so, man.
3: I'm calling it now. Know. I don't think Bellator does a flyweight
1: division. That's interesting. I first. mean, there's so many, there, there's so many ripples to this situation. Also for shorty Torres, I think it's probably a good testing of the waters to see how he likes, the Philippines and Asia and that market. Hey, hey,
3: look at Jeremy Kennedy. He's, he's been tearing it up in brave since the UFC released. him. that was a yep. bad uh, release. In my opinion, he's what 25 when they, they got rid of him. He had one loss to Volkanovsky. Like that doesn't look bad at all. Now Volkanovsky might be getting the next title shot. Like I think so. to me, the the UFC, you know, some of their decisions I question, but some of these guys, it, it can be better for them to, to go elsewhere and get more spotlight on them. We just talked about, you know, the, the oversaturation of the UFC, Look, look at someone like Justin Scoggins. Yeah, he lost his last fight, but how many people tuned into that rising card because they wanted to see him fight? If he was just on a regular UFC prelim, I don't think people would care as much.
1: And if uh, Torres wins that fight, you know he's all too happy to fight at 135, and that's, there's a Steven Lohman title fight on that night too. I think that'd be a very good fight. Not a lot of people are going to talk about it, but...
2: I think the, it's a big risk, though, for Shorty. I mean, if yes. fighting Amir Albazi is one thing. Uh, you're getting, you getting, know, You're getting your sweat on. It's a big risk for Shorty. Huge risk. I mean, all the, all the, all the um, you know, stress and all the – it's all on him. He's got to win this fight, man. It's it, you know, Amir's no joke. No one knows who he is. Shorty's got to win this fight big time.
1: So we ended up talking about Brave instead of UFC Fortaleza. <laughs> this co-main event, one of my I got five on it. It's a rare – rare at this betting line. Jose Aldo, not just beat Hanato Moicano, he mollywhopped. Moicano James. I I should say it was a first round stoppage because nothing happened in the first round. They they stared at each other for a little while. They did the old Mir Arlovsky, one looks at one while the other one but uh Aldo just came out of the gates in round two and put a beating down on Moicano. I am gonna miss this guy when he's gone, James.
3: Yeah, and and I think uh, you know, it's very rare to see a fighter lose the way he did to to you know to Max Holloway and, and still compete at a high level. I see a lot of people saying the old Aldo's back. I don't think the Aldo was ever gone. I think, you know, the yeah. McGregor fight is one that, you know, they they definitely should have run back and you know we'll never get to see that probably. But you know, I think I think you gotta give credit to Max Holloway and how good he is to see what he did against Aldo. Some fighters just have another fighter's kryptonite, uh, you know, Quentin Jackson with Chuck Liddell. There's just certain fights that fighters and matchups that are just not good for particular fighters because I think we forget that Aldo beat Frankie Edgar after he lost to McGregor like that was still a good win at the time so I see a lot you know the narrative right now is like oh the old Aldo's back I think he's always been there it's just that he's had to fight guys that weren't suited to his style I mean we saw that with Jeremy Stevens and and in this fight but uh yeah I I think this is this is great for Aldo I want to see him go up to 55 I mean he's not going to fight Holloway anytime soon I don't. I wouldn't think when you lose twice decisively the way he did. Um, I'd like to see him test the waters up there. Imagine him and Dustin Poirier, or him and uh, you know Ferguson, or someone. I mean, that that would be that would be awesome. So, and and it still seems like he has a tough cut to 45 too. So, um, we'll we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Joe Conor McGregor then took to Twitter to imply,
1: without explicitly stating, that last year he was very close to fighting in Brazil, which would lead. You, who's he fighting in Brazil? It ain't anybody but Aldo. That's it. Uh, Aldo wants this fight. He also wants Pettis at 155. He says he wants two more fights, and then he'll wrap it up. But, man, if I'm if I'm Dana White, I might pull one of those. Yeah, I'd like to see him fight three more times, like he does the Daniel Cormier if the yeah. all goes well at the end of the year because he looked really great
2: Saturday night. Yeah, I'm with James, though. Like, the dude never left. He's always been the same fighter. He just happened to have fought... Uh, a guy that has his number, no ifs, ands, or buts, Max Holloway will suck the life out of Jose Aldo until he's fatigued and then put a whooping on him. That's just what Max Holloway is going to do. And Max is just on another, another level now. He's fantastic. And the, uh, the the Conor McGregor fight, we can always go back and say, yeah, it was a fluke. Maybe it wasn't a fluke because Conor did throw that punch. It was a marvelous punch. It was masterful. Uh, but when that happens that quick... I'd like to see the other fighter, a.k.a. Jose Aldo, fight a few more times before earning that rematch. And if you don't think he's earned that rematch, I, I respectfully disagree. I would love to see that rematch, although I don't think it's going to happen at 145 pounds. And we've been saying it for years. Jose Aldo, in my opinion, has should have gone up to 155 pounds at least two years ago. Love to have seen it. He fought Max Holloway a second time. Fine. He's had two more fights, I believe, since then at 145. But you're not getting any younger, son. And there's a whole brand new division that you could enter and just completely wreak havoc in with your name with a bunch of fighters that would be more than happy to tangle with you, make their name off of you that you could simply destroy en route to potentially getting up to another title shot. So I think he should move up to 155 pounds and I don't believe he should get a title shot versus Max Holloway because he was destroyed twice. Yes,
1: I agree. You guys were spot on on Damian Maya. I call him UFC's knuckleballer because I don't think that his ability to do what he does is going to go away anytime soon. And I had picked Lyman Good for the, I think of the upset here, but no, Damian Maya just dominated, did what he does. I don't think this particularly helps him in the division, but it does keep him very relevant. We, you all talked about the level of talent that he's fought before. It's very clear when he fights somebody of Lyman Good's level, He's
2: putting that guy away, Joe. Well, I mean, what, what, okay. Let's be honest for one second. And if anyone that's ever followed my career and I don't know why I do this, but I will always favor jujitsu over anything uh, in mixed martial arts. That's where I, I trained mostly in. Uh, you know my boxing, my Muay Thai, my, my kickboxing when I was younger. Whatever is one thing, Judo, whatever. I spent most of my career training in the gym doing jiu-jitsu. And to see what Damian Maya did to Lyman Good, there was one specific technique that I I, I talked to some of my instructors about. I said we need to work on this, or you guys should be teaching your students this as well. Is when he got um, when he had Lyman's back and he had the uh, the clinch, how he used his left leg to pull um, Lyman's right leg away from him, so his base completely opened up. He had to stabilize his own base, and Damien took advantage of that by getting onto his back. It's it just left leg, pull over, backpack, hooks are in. I mean, that's just a beautiful uh, string of techniques. You know, it's it, it goes back to the old Hicks and Gracie uh, adage, and, you know, even Henzo Gracie, they always talk about the flow of what to do next. You know, you should already have your two or three moves ahead every time you do it. And that's what Damien Maya did. And to be able to pull off that rear naked choke the way he did, uh, and again, I, I, mean, I think it was bisping who's, who who said it dude you never got punched in the face again yeah. another fight where you did not get punched in the face and that's jiu-jitsu 101 so kudos to Damian maya and like we said last week look at those last three losses those last three losses were against the top three guys in the division so good on him
1: damien maya a nice guy to have to put on a fight night
3: card in brazil three from the top james Certainly. Yeah. It it paid off. I think that was another good story this card was that Maya got another win. Uh, People thought he was done. Um, I don't know what he has to accomplish at this point. I don't think we're going to see him make another run towards a a title shot. Um, You know, I think, I, I guess just at this point, just get exciting matchups. And, and when he wants to hang him up, he'll hang him up. But uh, great win here. Uh, like, like, like his last name suggests, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, Lyman Good's quite a good fighter. So um, I think that, uh, you know, for him to go out there and beat him in the first round just shows how good Maya is. And he's not some, you know, washed up guy. He, he can, he just can't beat the top competitors in the division, mm-hmm. but clearly he can beat everyone else.
1: Now, did David Tamer fight Charles Oliveira Saturday night? Or did he fight Max Holloway? What was going on with Charles Oliveira? Now, there were some weird pokes and all that going on. Joe, what did you think of that situation? Obviously, a bad poke. I loved the point deduction immediately. I love it. You got your fingers out all willy-nilly. I'm cool with that. However, the ref did miss the second eye poke. Oliveira didn't because he called a stop to the action three times. What do you do in this situation, Joe?
2: Um, so, okay. So just so you guys know, Jaron Villal, the referee in that fight there is also, uh, big John McCarthy's number one instructor for the command course. So he knows the unified rules of mixed martial arts. Like he's on like just backwards, forwards, he could probably move around the rules, whatever he wants in his head. He just knows them inside and out. So the first eye poke is exactly what you're supposed to do. It was fight impacting. It impacted the fight. Uh, the second one, I'm actually surprised that he missed very surprised that he missed that but again it's in real time it happens and if the, the 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 adage is this as a referee uh and what you know big john and even and even is taught if you didn't see it you got to keep going you got to keep the fight going so he didn't see it and that's why he told charles sorry got to keep going no keep going keep going keep going you got to be honest because there are fighters, and you can we can probably list you know ten right now that have done it in the past where they didn't get eye pulled, they never got a low blow, and, and they act like they did, especially sometime when they're getting uh, soundly defeated, uh, looking to buy time. So I think he did a you know pretty good damn damn good job uh, in that situation. And Charles Oliveira was just something else. He's always had the striking. Yeah, like he's never had it. He's always had it, but it always leads to a submission. And the only time Charles Oliveira really loses. Uh, is when he gets his heart tested and he's got to be put in a situation. But he did get dropped. He got dropped and he got right back up and said, let's do this. Let's have some fun. And I think it was another masterful performance for this guy. And, you know, taking his record of submissions in the UFC and just continuing to add it, I think it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I did not expect Charles Oliveira to pepper away at kickboxing and Muay Thai specialist David Tamer on the feet, James. That was very impressive. And it was in some degrees, the, the realization of the potential that many have seen in Oliveira in a long time, although I don't know that anybody necessarily saw that potential in him from that degree. Mainly, it did ultimately set up his submission game, but I was continually impressed with how he looked on the feet.
3: Yeah. And I think it just goes to speak the experience that he had heading into the fight. You know what he's I mean, I remember when he fought Jim Miller and he got submitted and everyone's yep. like, this guy's a bust. And just look, look at, I'm just looking at his, his, uh, his record here. I mean, you look at the guys he's fought, Cerrone, Edgar Swanson, Holloway, Pettis. Paul Felder like all those are really like top-notch opponents like of course you know certain fighters they, they don't evolve but I think with Oliveira, because he was so young when he got in the UFC and because he fought such tough competition we're seeing those experiences pay off in the octagon and that you know to see his striking on display doesn't surprise me just with how many fights
0: say goodbye
4: dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
3: He's had how many training camps he's gone through. He's really coming into his own now. And uh, you know, again, how old is he? He's uh, what, 29 years old. He's still under 30, man. Like, I think the best is yet to come. And I think this was just one of those performances that, that proved that.
1: I can't believe I'm going to do this. The Johnny Walker swing was in full effect as he slugged Justin Ledette and left him sitting sideways. You could say 15 seconds. Now Walker shows up, James just leaning on the cage, not giving a damn. And he just put the pain on him. Now this is a guy who a lot of people had not heard of a year ago, a year ago. He was a 10 and three guy. In Brazil, not doing a whole lot of anything, and just from February to March, he beat th- he won three fights, including one at heavyweight, won a title, won two titles, I think. Then got on contender series in August. He won that that fight against Roundtree via KO. He put the pain on Liddell. I mean, this is this is somebody that we have to watch at this point.
3: Yeah. It's sort of the, uh, the perfect storm here. Uh, you know, you have a division that is in desperate need of prospects and up and comers. And here, lo and behold, we have Johnny Walker, who has a really cool name and happens to, you know, kick some serious ass in the octagon. And, you know, he doesn't even like, you know, you saw this his post-fight interview. Uh, I don't know what his English levels like, but in general, like he's just his, he couldn't have had a better career so far in the UFC, like two impressive wins highlight, real fashion. Um, you know, we're already, I'm already seeing people talking about how, how would he do against John Jones? Like that just goes to show the hype this guy's had in two fights. It, it's a breath of fresh air. How long, I mean, since the Chuck Liddell days, even how long has it been since this division's been, you know, uh, you know, the, the sort of the center and focus. I think this is such a good story. Um, if you're the UFC, you're booking this guy in Brazil cards going forward and, and making him the, the guy. I mean, they need someone, uh, you know, to sort of, uh, you know, carry that torch. And just, uh, yeah, th- I mean, this is just good matchmaking, good, uh, good fight put together. I'd like to see a step up. I'd like to see a veteran for his next fight. Um, I'm not sure who that would be. Maybe the winner of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Misha Surkinov and and uh, o- OSP, uh, you know, because to me, that's sort of the gatekeeper fight in the division, you know, move him along and-, and let's go because it's, uh, I- I'm aboard the Johnny Walker train. I, I think it's great. And uh, yeah, just great performance overall.
1: I say Cummins. I think it's an easy win for him. Punch him in the face once, he falls down. He said that he wanted to fight next month in London. Uh, terrible. He, he fought in England twice last year and met great success. Uh, Joe, your your
2: thoughts on Johnny Walker? I, I just as long as they keep him away from Dominic Reyes. Let those two guys put him on different sides of the bracket, the proverbial bracket, and let them build themselves up uh, to get their own little title shots. But there's plenty of guys that um, you know Johnny Walker can compete. I just want to see him. Uh, get his heart tested and I don't mean that fight that he had uh, on the contender series I went to the decision Uh, I just want to see him get his heart tested in the UFC I want someone uh, to really bring the pain to him uh, in terms of making him struggle Um, you know again just making him work uh, a bit more than what happened in a 15 second fight I don't like looking at these situations where yeah you know what he wanted he's dominant well he's dominant his first two fights uh, in the UFC, the official UFC, not Dana White's contender series. I mean, the one against Khalil was not even two minutes, and this one was 15 seconds. So, okay, fine. You got the power. You got to knock go by an elbow, and you got to knock go by a TKO and slash a legal kick. Um, but at the same time, let's put him against someone now that's going to put him, um, test him a little bit. Get him into the second round, get him into the third round. Uh, I do like James's theory about the you know if Cirkinoff could be an option or OSP. Uh, I personally would like to see him fight a guy. Um, it, it, it's tough to like even Tiago Santos, keep him away from Tiago Santos. Let's, let's try and work things around uh, in that manner. But uh, you know, I don't want to see him fight who Hua was Hua just a, a different scenario, but Jimmy Manoa and Ila Latifi are right there. I think I'd like to see those two guys uh, compete against Johnny for sure.
1: If I'm UFC, I am really happy with the way that some of the, the fresh faces at light heavyweight are looking. I mean, you have Luke Rockhold there. Who's trying to talk himself into a title shot. That ain't happening, but you have, you have Johnny Walker. You have Anthony Smith. You have Dom Reyes. You have Ian Cutilaba, uh, You even have, uh, gosh, Alexander Rakic. You have a lot of names there. Uh, Stasich, if he fights, he hasn't fought since like July. But you have some names there that are young that are emerging. Uh, Joe, what else on this show stood out to you besides uh, Souza beating a woman who showed up in a completely different weight class? <sighs>
2: If, if you guys were on my Instagram feed and noticed some of the women that compete in, in MMA or in jujitsu in general, uh, the hatred that they have uh, for Sarah Froda was just something else. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it was I, I was I watched that fight and I was thinking to myself was froda even trying like some of the techniques that she was throwing in the striking would be something that i would do with my son just playing around and leaving my leg out there so he could try and grab me and take me down to the ground and getting him to realize this is what you do in this type of situation it didn't even look like uh she was an elite mixed martial artist though she does have the experience but um you know the rest of the are you talking just the main card sean or, or the prelims as well
1: yeah, the rest of the show.
2: Uh, Tiago Alves, man. Tiago Alves and Max Griffin. I mean, Tiago Alves got rocked early on, but still was able to to overcome everything and just pull off that split decision victory. I don't know what Max Griffin was thinking because, uh, and even Froda, like, I mean, they 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 lost. I don't know what they were shaking their head about, but, um, you know, and, and, and Jorginho's fight against Junior Albini. I mean, it almost seems like the blueprint is there. Take Jorginho down, take yeah. him down, don't let him back up. And I don't know what Junior was thinking about that, Uh, He could have won that fight, but other than that, there were some pretty good scraps uh, underneath there. Uh, Although the, you know, my fellow Italian Borella's competition against uh, Santos was left a lot to be desired, but you know, she got the victory. It is what it is.
1: Junior Albini likely lost the circulation in his legs. Also, uh, to pat myself on the back, the Bontorin Bibilata fight. He was on my. I got five on it. So both he and Aldo hit. Those were big winners, back-to-back shows. Uh, But, James, as we put a bow on the Brazil show, what did you think?
3: Uh, Well, we should mention that Frodo Waite, She was 123. Uh, That, to me, me says that, you know, obviously not very disciplined heading into this fight. So I think that's probably why she didn't look so good in in the matchup. So that was disappointing. Surprised to see Marcus Perez get a quick finish over Hernandez. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, he's still got some life in the middleweight division. Uh, I don't know how you could have scored that fight for Thiago Alves. I thought Max Griffin won that decisively. Um, but you know, again, it's in Brazil. So that that's one of those things. How about Sadner Magomedov? Disappointing a fight he had against Scoggins comes out there and finishes Ricardo Ramos in the first round. I was really impressed with him. Um, here's a guy that, uh, you know, has brought some new life at, at Bantamweight. And then of course, like you mentioned, opening up the show, Magomed Biblotov loses again. Remember, this was the guy they said was going to beat Demetrius Johnson and now he's lost two fights. Yikes. So I, I don't know. I mean, here's the funny thing about Biblotov. He's managed by Ali. He's lost two fights now. Realistically, he should be cut. If we're going yeah. with the theme of the flyweights, but I have a feeling he'll stick around and just because of, you know, who's managed by.
1: Maybe get a bantamweight fight even. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no telling. Uh, UFC Fortaleza, man, that that was a really good, fun show. And as we were on the air, uh, tears of joy may have streamed down my face. And James, I know you saw it as well. Ariel Helwani tweeted, just officially announced, The main card of UFC Philly on March 30 will start at 7 p.m. Eastern. A show on the East Coast, a main card show starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. I want to hug the world right now. (laughs) I'm so happy. Like, I I don't think people understand. And, you know, I don't, woe is me, whatever. UFC nights are the worst work nights these days. I mean, it's, it's 4 or 5 a.m. usually when I can get to bed, and I'm covering it from my office 10 feet away from my bed. I can't imagine what it's like for the people who are there oh, Yeah, have to do it and then have to go to the hotel or the media room or whatever it is they may do and wrap it up. It is unbelievable. But we have a show, actually two shows to look forward to this weekend. Bellator's first effort in Europe. And you know it's gotta be headlined by a pit bull. <laughs> Patricky Pitbull, Ryan Scope. You have Aaron Chalmers against Corey Browning, and that's really it. Uh, not putting a whole lot into this show, at least from a domestic standpoint here in the States, but uh, they they do they do have Pitbull on the show. They do have Aaron Chalmers, who is a popular name over there, James. What do you think of the show and anything stand out to you?
3: I I forgot this show was on this weekend. That's just how, like, little it's been promoted, uh, at least this side of the pond, uh, so to speak. But, um, I mean, Jim Wallhead's on the prelims. This is basically a Bama card that they put Pitbull on. That's what this is. Uh, You know, Ryan Scope, I didn't know much about him, and, you know, sort of, you know, checking it out, I see, you know, he's got a good record. Uh, Chalmers, I know, obviously, the guy from... um, uh, what is it, Jordy Shore, whatever, you know, he's, he's got an undefeated record as his own podcast and then they've got uh, Leon Edwards' brother on this card as well too, uh, Fabian Edwards fighting on the main card but I mean, this is just, uh, you know, I'll catch the replay type thing, like this is more for the UK fans I think and just the interest levels is very, uh, very low um, as is the the card this weekend, I mean, there's a couple good fights, I'm sure we'll get into it but uh, I mean, this is not a strong pay-per-view, I, I don't think the numbers for the UFC are going to be quite good this weekend.
1: Yeah, I don't even think Bellator offered us media interviews for the europe show and they do for everything they run like a monster energy show in a field in iowa they're like hey you want to interview somebody so let's just show you about the level of, of promotion that, that we're seeing here but we do have ufc 234 this weekend and boy is it a thin card after the the top couple of fights it is uh not exactly what it could be but We do have the main event of the night, Robert Whittaker defending his UFC middleweight title against Kelvin Gastelum. This is, at their heart, two guys who wanted to be welterweights, so I don't think that size is going to play a big role in this, Joe. You know, I've been a believer in Robert Whittaker for a long time, and I'm also a believer in Kelvin Gastelum. How do you see this one going? Uh, We have Kelvin Gastelum at a plus
2: 210 uh, underdog, Robert Whittaker at a minus 250 favorite. Bobby Knuckles. I mean, Bobby Knuckles to me is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, You know, I'll say it a billion times until I'm blue in the face. If it wasn't for Sean Ross Sapp, I would never have shown as much love to this guy as I have before because I thought his career was on the downswing. But man, has he done absolutely fantastic. I'm always concerned though about Kelvin Gastelum proving me wrong because he does have that ability to surprise us all going way back uh, to his time on The Ultimate Fighter when he won The Ultimate Fighter. So Uh, He's got that ability to figure things out. So he's had plenty of time to get ready uh, for Robert Whitaker. Uh, I I just think Robert Whitaker is just something else. I think he's absolutely fantastic. And I think um, his stock will continue to rise after this fight here. Uh, You know, I'm not into putting five on anyone uh, that's that type of a favorite. And I won't, but uh, I got Robert Whitaker in this fight.
3: James, how do you see this one going? I like Whitaker here as well. should mention right now, Whitaker minus 250, Gaslam plus 210. I remember when this fight was announced, I thought, wow, like Gaslam's, you know, this is pretty surprising because he lost to Weidman uh, not that long ago. I think it was last year. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, like, like Joe said, uh, Gaslam has been put in positions where he's not supposed to win and he does. But, you know, this is a home, t- home like, country fight for, for Whitaker. The traveling's is not going to be an issue for him. Gasol has to travel. Um, you know, on, on top of that, I mean, you don't just beat Yoel Romero twice and, you know, like, like it's nothing. Like that, that, those are two great wins. I know they were close fights, but that, I put a ton of stock into that. I mean, Yoel Romero is amazing. Look at what he's done to everyone else um, outside of Robert Whitaker. I got to go Whitaker on this one. I think the experience at 185. Um, I, th- I think the fact that he's, you know, just a guy that's that's basically flown under the radar a little bit. If you look at the champions, he's not a, you know, a boisterous guy. He's kind of, you know, soft spoken in interviews. But I think he gets it done. I think his his power is what's going to be the difference. And I think I think he puts Calvin away late in the fight. I'll say a third or fourth round uh, TKO win for Robert Whitaker.
1: I don't think Gaslam's wrestling is better than Romero's. I don't think he's more powerful than Romero, and he does not have the technical ability on the feet that Robert Whitaker does. I think Robert Whitaker wins this fight. Boy, this is a line I never thought I'd see. Anderson Silva, uh, definitely one of my I got five on it. A plus 485. Israel Adesanya, a minus 670. Now, let's look back at the history of an Anderson Silva, who has uh, been away for long periods of time throughout his career. This will be his first fight in over two years. But you look at the Cormier fight. He took that after sir. I don't know how he got cleared for that fight, first off. He had surgery like weeks before this. The Michael Bisping fight, you can argue that should have been stopped earlier. The Nick Diaz fight, he, he actually won that. He had a gruesome leg injury in the Weidman fight, which he wasn't winning anyway. And he wasn't winning the Weidman fight, before he got KO'd anyway, either, but you could like kind of hang your hat on something for each of those. That being said, Israel Adesanya is very, very good. And I think this will be the kind of fight that we want it to be. James, you spoke to Israel Adesanya for Fightful ahead of this. What do you think? And what's Israel's
3: mindset going into this? Just confident, you know, Um, I I see some people calling him arrogant, but I think, to be honest, I don't think he should have, I I think he's he's above this fight, to be honest. I, I don't think Anderson, you know, you look at his last fight against Derek Brunson, A lot of people felt Derek Brunson won that fight. You know, Silva's had a layoff. Silva's getting up there in age. People act like Anderson Silva's the same guy that, you know, was on, was in his prime. And he's just not, he's not like, you know, and I, I know that he went to the decision with Cormier, but I think what people got to realize about that fight is because it was on short notice. I think Cormier just played it safe, needed to get the win. If he lost, imagine if Cormier lost that fight, how bad that would have looked. So, um, you know, I just, I haven't been that impressed with, with Silva and, you know, he's had fights that that he should have won like the Bisping fight. I mean, he gave that fight away. Um, I, I really, I am, I am on the side of, you know, and, and people will give me crap for this, but I'm on the side of that Adesanya is that good. I think people underestimate that win over Brad Tavares. Tavares was on a good winning streak heading into that fight and, and Israel dominated him in that matchup. Um, you know, and then he followed it up with, with finishing Brunson in the first round. So I'm expecting big things out of Adesanya, but like I've said many times in the show is the value on Adesanya. Absolutely not. I mean, crazier things have happened in this sport, but look at this. Anderson Silva wins by submission plus 2000. Now Silva's last submission win was back in 2010, so I can understand that. But I mean, really, we don't know what Adesanya is like on the ground. I think if if he's able to take Adesanya down, um, and I I think he has an advantage there in in the ground game. We haven't seen Adesanya really tested on the ground. Guys have tried to get under the ground, like Tavares and other guys, but it just hasn't happened. So to me, there is a clear path for Silva to get a win. But just knowing him and and what he's all about, and you know, trying to you know sort of live up to his style i think we will see it stay strike uh, stay standing and i think adesanya's striking is just uh you know on a different level in terms of what silva's used to i mean adesanya i think is faster i think he's got more uh, a style that silva hasn't really faced before so i'm going adesanya in this fight i I don't know if he'll get like a first round like like highlight reel finish but i think this could end up going the distance but i see adesanya taking it i think he just you know because remember guys he was you know and people are like How how can you get a title shot after this? Well, he was the UFC gave him the backup spot for the the title fight, but he said, "You know what? I want to fight. I don't want to wait around. So give me someone. I'll fight him. Whatever. And and I'll you know then then put me in, coach. But uh, yeah, he's he he was guaranteed a title shot, or sorry, the winner of this fight, or at least the backup. And instead, he opted to fight Silva. So I like Adesanya in this fight.
1: Well, the way that things often happen, we can't rule out the possibility one of these men men compete for a title this Saturday. I mean, that's right. one of the reasons they're there is to compete. And to be honest with you, I'm surprised the UFC doesn't have a third middleweight fight on deck to slide up, to have one of these guys. Cause say Kelvin Gastelum misses weight. Then you've got a Robert Whitaker versus Israel Adesanya main event and nothing else of name value on this show. Maybe you can talk Anderson Silva into fighting Sam Alvey at light heavyweight or something like that. But if somebody misses weight on this show, it's it's a one-fight show. That being said, uh, Joe, how, how do you think this Adesanya Silva fight goes?
2: I think Anderson Silva is about to look into the mirror and see who he was or the type of fighter he was five, six, maybe seven years ago, uh, and will wake up and be challenged in the middle of a fight, and you'll see almost a renaissance where he's like almost an awakening where he realizes, I can't knock this guy out, and I don't know if Adesanya will be able to knock him out. Maybe he can. Um, but it's good. I think it's going to be a back and forth battle for 15 minutes, uh, fight of the night, high level striking, uh, Anderson Silva realizing I'm in big trouble. I have to win this fight. And hopefully he realizes that he's fighting a young buck and we all know speed kills. And I think speed, uh, with Adesanya's speed is going, and he's got precision too. Uh, Anderson has precision. He just doesn't have the speed anymore. So he's going to have to hide a lot of his techniques I think Adesanya wins this fight here. I think it goes the full 15 minutes. Um, I, I mean, I don't even remember the last time Anderson Silva took anybody down to the ground or even went for a takedown attempt. Uh, so in, in this fight here, I think Israel's going to push Anderson Silva. I'm not saying Israel's going to play it safe. He'll try and capitalize on his opportunities. But I think this one goes the full 15 minutes. And I think we're going to get a bunch of highlight reel techniques and, and and just craziness in this fight here.
1: For all of the close fights and the betting odds that that were UFC Fortaleza. There are a ton of mismatches on UFC 234. Some, Actually, maybe the most I've ever seen. One of those is not Ronnie Yaya and Ricky Simone. (laughs) Plus 105 for Ronnie Yaya, minus 125 for Ricky Simone. I got Yaya here, Joe. I I, I like Ronnie Yaya. I think Ricky Simone is very good, but I think that, that Ronnie Yaya is just incredibly underrated. He has won seven of his last eight fights, when you look at it, he's got one win in his last nine fights. Uh, you go back to 2012, nobody has finished him. I, I Actually, go back to, nobody's ever finished him in the UFC, period. He hasn't been finished since the WEC days. Uh, there, There is always the discussion of cage miles. This isn't the same Ronnie Yaya that was around back then that I was looking at and saying, like, oh, maybe he's a featherweight, bantamweight contender at, like, 25, 26 years old, but I think uh, Ronnie Yaya could still get it done. I think that he has the ability to possibly be similar at the lighter weights as Damian Maya at the heavier weights, although he's still a far cry from that. Uh, What do you think about this one, Joe?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going with Honey Yaya in this fight here. I mean, Ricky Simone, former Titan vet, so I've always got, you know, a special place in my heart for guys like that. But uh, I think he will put the pressure on Honey Yaya, but he's one mistake away with a guy of that caliber from getting your neck choked, right? He's just that good. Honey Yaya like you said is if he's like a Damian Maya, he's that knuckleballer, you just got to be very very careful. Uh, if Ricky Simone can use his footwork be smart and punish uh, Yaya from the outside uses angles. He might be able to pull off a decision here. I don't think he'll be able to get the knockout because Hani will not uh, put himself, I don't think he'll put himself in that position uh, to get his chin rattled that way. But at the same time, Hani Yaya gets one hold of Ricky Simone. It's going to be a long, long night for Ricky. So I'm going to go with Hani Yaya on this one. James, how do you see this one?
3: I like Yaya as well. Um, I, I'm actually, I was looking at the Yaya wins by submission prop plus two nineteen. That That's not bad. Um, you know, cause I think, uh, I think, well, because Simone, um, you know, he, he's, it was I know his loss was in Titan. I'm trying to remember, was it a finish or was it a, um, uh, I just got to look it up here. But
1: that, that, uh, that yep. yaya line that might be a rare prop bet that i put five
3: on just yeah he, he actually yeah simone lost by submission in titan i remember that that was the anderson dos santos fight uh um, back in 2016 so it's possible um but yeah i just i haven't really been that impressed with um with, with simone to be honest and you look at yaya he's got the experience um you know he's he's a guy that uh you know has some good wins like uh you know and if you look at sort of the guys he's fought um I just I think this is just a, a great opportunity here to, to take an underdog and uh, you know Simone may be great but I don't, I don't know if he's there yet so uh, g- give me uh, give me yeah by submission by plus two nineteen I'll take that.
1: Well, there are a lot of underdogs that you all can take on this show, and we're not going to devote too much time to any one of these fights because, quite frankly, they don't matter very much. But you did speak to Nadia Kasem, who is a plus two twenty five, Montana De La Rosa at minus two sixty five. Anytime you've got women in a young division and you've got a line that that deep, I'm like, okay, maybe worth it. But what did you, what did you gain from your conversation from Nadia? And how do you think this fight goes, James?
3: I think the line's right where it needs to be. Um, actually talked to Montana as well. Um, that'll be out this week, but, uh, N- Nadia, um, we have to remember she's coming up from straw So she's going to be at flyweight for this fight. She hasn't fought since November of 2017. And even then that win was over Alex chambers, which, uh, you know, not, not a great win to be honest. And Montana just has so much experience. Like you look at her record and you think, oh great. She hasn't really panned out that well, but I mean, she's fought Mackenzie Dern. She fought Cynthia Calvillo. Like people forget that before tough montana had a lot of experience having fought in lfa and other promotions um you know i, I and, and her only you know her last loss like it's not technically her last loss because uh, they don't count the tough fights but it was to nico montano and i think that's a fight that if that happened now i think Montana would be a lot more competitive exactly yeah there you go um, so, uh, so, so I think that, um, I, I think experience is going to play here and I think uh, Montana is going to get a decision, uh, in this one. Um, although I think this is uh, Montana's uh, first fight outside the U S so we'll see if the travel effects are not a little bit of a shorter, uh, you know, uh, plane ride or flight, I should say uh, for, for Nadia Kasim in this fight, but give me Montana De La Rosa by decision in this one.
1: Joe, any thoughts?
2: Uh, Lando Venata.
1: <laughs> well i'm talking about this fight in particular oh, this fight here okay uh the odds of all the fights
2: yeah i mean it's it's tough to say because you know montana like like james said people are thinking that her career hasn't panned out the way it should she's tough as nails so is nadia like let's be honest for a second this is going to be a good scrap um but i do want to you know echo what you mentioned right before you threw to this fight sean a bunch of fights that nobody cares about Do you know what i'm saying like you want people to care about your cards, especially a pay-per-view card. Uh, other than really Sam Alvey from the North American market, you got to be a hardcore fan to know who Rani Aya is. I don't know a mainstream fan that knows who Rani Yaya is. I'm not going to lie to you. okay? They might know who Sam Alvey is. Okay, Other than that, ooh, pay-per-view.
1: We've got several other uh several other fights. Sam Alvey a plus one twenty. Jim Cruit a minus one forty. For me, Alvey, <laughs> there's always a little bit of value there. Anytime there's a plus next to him. James, how do you think this one goes?
3: Yeah, I like Crute in this fight, but uh, you can't ever count out Sam Alvey. It's one of those situations where the value clearly is on Alvey in this fight. Um, you know, he is taking this on short notice, but, um, you know, he's done crazier things in his career. Uh, you, it seems like every time, uh, you know, they, they have one of these Australian prospects, they, they fall short against a veteran. Uh, you know, we saw it with Tyson Pedro, saw it with Taitu Vasa. So hopefully Crute doesn't fall in that category. But I think Crute should win here. Um, you know, just younger, more explosive. I think he is sort of the future. And that's why th- I, he was supposed to fight. Um, who was he supposed to fight originally? Uh, Alvey's a late replacement uh who is he supposed to fight it was Ryan Span. so this is actually in some ways a tougher fight um than, than Span. but uh yeah I like Jim Jim Crute here uh for sure on the main card first fight of the main card
1: Joe quick pick for this one
3: I'm not going against Sam LV James <laughs> come on
1: I like it we're going to run through quick picks for the rest of the card you have Devonte Smith minus 240 Dong Hyun Kim plus 200 Joe Dong Hyun Ma
2: hmm.
1: yeah he changed his name Oh, my bad. My (laughs) bad.
2: (laughs) I like this fight, though. I think it's going to be an exciting fight, but I'm leaning towards Devontae Smith in this one.
1: Yeah, as am I, James.
3: Yeah. He's the future of the sport. Uh, we're funny story about this. So he thought he was fighting young, young Kim, the other, the welterweight <laughs> when he, when he got the fight and he like, there's this funny story when I spoke to him where he's like, he talked to Mark Montoya as coach. He's like, look, I know you guys are like confident in my abilities here, but have you seen how big this guy is? He just fought, he fought Tyron Woodley. Like there's no way I'm that big. So, um, yeah, I, Devante <laughs> here. I, 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 you know, I've said this many times, even when he was on contender series, this guy's the future of the lightweight division. Uh, just so talented. Great personality. I think this is going to be another uh, impressive performance from him. Maybe not in a first-round finish, but he'll certainly get the job done here. I'm Really high on Devontae Smith.
1: UFC is going to be able to build a very nice highlight reel of guys who have come from Contender Series before long. That show has been a resounding success. You also spoke to plus 255 Austin Arnett. He's facing Shane Young, a minus 310. That line
3: is uh, shifting a little bit as I see, though. Uh, James, your thoughts? Oscar awesome, that's a live dog, in my opinion. Uh, you know, a lot of people counted him out in his last fight against uh, Banaday. What did he do? He went out there and pulled off the upset. He could do it here, too. He's really got nothing to lose. This was a guy that basically was on was going to get cut from the UFC. He had a short notice opportunity in his last fight, took advantage of it. One. Now he's back. Shane Young, this is in his hometown or sorry, his home country. I mean, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's really got nothing to lose here, uh, Arnett. So that's a dangerous thing when you're fighting a guy like Shane Young. And, uh, I actually spoke to Shane Young as well. Um, you know, he's been out for a while. He's, he's had a, you know, he's, he's kind of vocal about this. He had some, some sort of some mental health stuff he had to take care of, and he was aware of it after his last fight. So that's why we haven't seen him for a while. So it sounds like he's figured that out and let's not, you know, forget about the fact that he trains with Israel Adesanya and Dan Hooker and those guys. So that's, that's a good camp to come from. So we'll see. Uh, I, I think this could be fight of the night potentially. Uh, it's a sleeper fight for sure. How about you, Joe?
2: I just want to see how you know Shane Young is going to deal with the height disadvantage. He's got a four-inch height disadvantage, so it, but it could be a, a hard for Arnett to punch down. I mean, uh, it, it's an interesting scenario. But uh, a twelve and four versus sixteen and five, I think their records are interesting to see. There's a, there's only a point five reach advantage for Shane Young. Uh, it, it's tough to say. Uh, I'll lean towards Shane right now. <laughs>
1: We have Kai Kara France at a minus 310 over Rulian Pavai. That is a plus 255. Also, Kyung Hyo Kang, a minus 450 over Teruto Ishihara, a plus 360. Joe, any picks for these two fights?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm definitely going to go with Ko Young Kang. I mean, he, he's a bad dude, right? So uh, we'll yes. see what happens there. Uh, in terms of the, you mentioned the Kai Kara France fight uh, against Paiva or Paiva, excuse me. What's I mean, Pi was a favorite, right? No, the underdog plus mm, 255. Underdog. That's a live underdog, if you ask me. I'm going to go with uh,
1: France and Kang here, uh, James.
3: Yeah, same picks. I'm surprised Ishihara got another fight. To be honest, he's lost Me like too. four of his last five. So this seems just like a, a showcase fight for Kang France as well. I, I know Paiva's great, but France. I mean this this guy was hyped before he got in the UFC, and he's he's looked good. And you know it's in Australia, so I, I got to think that you know the hype's gonna be around him. But these poor guys are flyweights. Like you know, it's like what are you fighting for at this point? So I don't know. Venata, he's got to win, Joe. He yeah. has he is has
1: one win in his six UFC fights. The two draws maybe saved him. He has no wins in his last four fights. He is a major favorite, though, minus 365 against Marcos Rosa. But as we've seen, varying levels of success against varying levels of of talent for Lando Venata, as exciting as he can be.
2: Yeah, it's such a strange anomaly what Lando Veneta is, but uh, I'm not going to go against one of the most exciting fighters that has, you know, the, most, the worst record in the UFC. Uh, I, I just think Lando's absolutely fantastic, and I think he's going to get the job done here. Uh, although if he loses, I'm sure next Tuesday we're talking about you know which which organization is he going to be signing with. James,
3: before we talk about the before I preview this fight, uh, can we talk about the fact that a major outlet totally screwed up this fight? Do you remember they had him fighting Charles Rosa? Oh, and, wow. uh, and and everyone was like, why is Lando dropping a 45 and like in all this? And and the, I was actually the one who found this out because I texted Charles for an interview. He's like, I'm not fighting. <laughs> so they, they totally got this wrong. So that outlet, which I will not mention here, don't want to cause any, uh, you know, confrontation here, but uh, they, they didn't bother to check that it was the wrong Rosa. It, uh, so it's so it's Marcos Rosa. And let's talk about Marcos Rosa. I mean, if this, if there was ever a give me fight, I would say it's this one. The guy he beat to get in the UFC was two and three. The guy he fought before that nine and four, two and five, three and three, six and six. Mm-hmm. Like, like I would never even heard of this guy. He's 32 years old. They obviously don't think too highly of him, but they did think highly enough to give him this fight. Benata just signed a new four-fight deal. Yeah, he's on a losing streak, but he's Wild. exciting. This, 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 this is a this is a gimme fight if I've ever seen one. Um, I, I'm going to stay away from it because you never know with Lando. But this, I mean, minus 365. Like it's clear that you know this is it's a setup fight. That's basically how I look at it. Callum Potter plus
1: 220, Jalen Turner minus 260. I think this line is exactly where it should be. As well as Jonathan Martinez, minus 175 against Buren, a plus 155. What do you think, James?
3: Uh, I like Turner in this fight, full camp now, getting to um, you know uh, fight at lightweight. He fought, at, which is surprising because he, how tall is he? He's like a giant when I interviewed him. He's 6'3", 75-inch reach, and he fights at lightweight, um, which is crazy. That was that dumb fight they made with him and Luque. Remember where like oh, Luque, yeah. I think was supposed to fight Barbarena and then uh it didn't happen. So the UFC's like, hey, we'll just grab this lightweight prospect that we're gonna try and ruin his career. And he's 23 <laughs> years old. Like they did like, like like that fight accomplished nothing for either fighter, like it didn't help Luke. And Turner just put another loss in his resume. Anyways, I digress. Uh full camp for Turner here, supposed to fight Alex Gorgies, uh ends up fighting Potter. I like Jalen here. I think, he's, I think he's really that good. Uh, 23 years old. He's a huge, huge, huge welterweight, like I mentioned. Or sorry, lightweight, I should say. Um, yeah, I like him in this matchup. And then as far as the opening fight, Martinez and Buren. There could be some value on Buren. Uh, Martinez uh, you know, doesn't have as many fights. Um, didn't look great in his debut. I know that was short notice as well. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go Martinez. But value there for sure is on Buren. And
2: I think Turner, like I said, takes, takes care of Potter. Joe, your quick picks on these last two. I'm going to go with Turner as well, but I'm going to go with Buren. I think he's going to pull off the upset here.
1: My UFC 234, I got five on it picks. Hit two of three each of the last two shows. Anderson Silva plus 485 against uh, Israel Adesanya minus 670. I think there's value on Silva here because there's always the unknown. He's one of the greatest performers in the history of the UFC. I got Austin Arnett against Shane Young. Arnett is a plus 255. As James mentioned earlier in our preview. He is a very live dog. And while I have Kai Kara France beating Paiva, I think at plus 255, there is some value there as well. Almost went Sam Alvey plus 120, but there are so many live underdogs on this show. But then there are also so many that are not live underdogs. There's some real mismatches on this UFC 234 show. But hey, these are just betting flyers. You got five extra bucks. Put it down. James, what do you got going on
3: this week? A lot. You mentioned the interviews. I really plowed away. got some more coming up this week. Yesterday, I talked to Gina Mazzani, Dwight Grant, uh, Luke Sanders. Uh, interesting stuff there. He's, uh, he's not training at the lab, which is interesting. He's uh, just sort of training with uh, some, some other fighters uh, as well. So we'll see. He's fighting and Burrell. Good matchup there. Ashley Evan smith Courtney Casey. Um, and last week, we had that exclusive with Marvin Vittori, who I didn't even know was uh, suspended by USADA. So that's why he hasn't fought. So he talks all about that. And uh, who else? Emily Whitmire. You know, we just got the interviews coming, Cynthia Calvillo. So just check out Fightful. We got you covered. Don't don't worry about any other uh, sites. We, we we got you covered for everything. Follow me on Twitter, at Lynch on Sports. Thanks again. He cracked man. that 10,000, I saw. Congrats. I did, yeah. Thank
2: you. Thank you. I appreciate
1: Follow it. Follow Joe <laughs> at Showdown Joe. Follow me at Sean Ross app. Joe, as we wrap up, what do you got going on?
2: I'm just going to keep in contact with my two fools from Titan FC, you know, Shorty Torres with this <laughs> fight coming up, and that, that, I don't know which one to call him, that bigger fool fighting for some welterweight title. I don't know. And Kamaro Usman, whatever, whatever. But, uh, but he's pumped. He's Jack. But I mean, when I'm, I'm, when I saw him at Titan, he's very, very excited. And then we saw the press conference stuff. So, uh, is going to look to prove a lot of people wrong. I do like what happened with him and Ben Askren. Um, yeah. Kamara, Kamara, Guys,
1: uh, If you're on our YouTube, leave us a thumbs up, subscribe, check out Jane's interviews, do the same over there, share those. It goes a long way. Hey, if you have it, if you want to share them on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, all that good stuff, that goes a long way as well. Thank you guys so much. Until next time, we're out.